are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Marcus Mosher and Kate Madjuke. Welcome into the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. I am your host, Kate Majuk, and you could follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Of course, give my awesome co-host Marcus Mosher a follow at Marcus underscore Mosher and give the show a follow at Locked On Dynasty. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure you're helping other people find the show. This is like the biggest time in Dynasty. This is the key moment where we need to help you shine. So, Please uh, share us around, uh, give us to your friends as long as they're not in your leagues so we can continue doling out some really good advice to help you get through those rookie drafts. Marcus, it's draft week. Congratulations. You made it. We made it. uh, But Kate, unfortunately, we're going to be a a little negative here on a Monday morning, which uh, that's never fun, but I think we need to do it. Start off the week on a grumpy note. And then, (laughs) you know what, when you start out low, the only it way only to go better. is high. Yes. yes. Yeah. It, I, I like that that mindset. It's it's a half uh, half glass full sure, kind of sure. mindset. Like let's we'll spin it that way. <laughs> um, we last week talked about some of our favorite uh, and most speculative, uh, exciting landing spots for some of these rookies that we are about to finally figure out what team they're going to this week. But we want to talk about where we don't want them to go. Like you said, on the negative side, but there are some players that, you know, you might love their tape. You might love everything about their game, but if they are drafted into certain situations, mm. that's just a no-go. It's a no-go captain, uh, abort mission. I don't want this guy on my dynasty team anymore. So we're going to talk about some of those potentially bad fits uh, now that we talked about the the good ones. So Let's kick it off. You wanted to start the show off with Kyle Pitts. Of course. I mean, we, we always have to start a show off with Kyle Pitts, right? He's the most uh, popular person on this podcast. Yeah, he's he's an absolute favorite. And of course he is. Uh, he's monstrously sized. He's literally Jamar Chase uh, on, on big boy steroids. Uh, but Kyle Pitts, where could we possibly send Kyle Pitts? Because it's really hard to find a place where we could send Kyle Pitts where I would be disappointed because the talent is so, so tremendous. Where are we sending Kyle Pitts that would uh, maybe bump him down at least a few spots on your draft board, despite the fact that he could be a generational talent? Yeah, first and foremost, if you want the draft to be way more stressful than it already is, have your rookie drafts, you know, the week before the draft actually happens. So uh, this actually happened to me, Kate. We had a a rookie draft over the weekend. sadistic. Yeah, <laughs> well, here, and here's why it's so much fun, right? Because I took Kyle Pitts in this uh, rookie draft that has some Debbie stuff. A- anyways, I, I took him at number two. Uh, and now I'm going to be sweating where he goes on Thursday night because there are some really, really interesting landing spots. We talked about Atlanta at pick number four. Uh, if he falls to the Cowboys at number 10, that would be exciting. But my fear is, though, Kate, what if he ends up in Detroit or Miami? Detroit picks at seven. Uh, Miami picks at six. Both of those teams already have established tight ends on the roster. Obviously, we think Kyle Pitts is better than both TJ Hawkinson and Mike Gusecki probably combined. But if you go to those teams without established quarterbacks and with a you know interesting pecking order with receiving options... I don't feel great. I feel like the ceiling is quite a bit lower than if he goes in one of these other spots. So Detroit and Miami, I think, are both 
very realistic landing spots and ones that I think would really, really hurt Kyle Pitts' value. Well, and I think uh, you're you're definitely looking at an interesting spot with Miami uh, in Mel Kuyper's draft. He did have the Dolphins trading back up to four uh, to take Jeez. Kyle Pitts at that spot, which I thought was an interesting play. But like, I get it. Um, I, I do think that Kyle Pitts is one of those guys that could instantly bring Tua up a notch. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's just that kind of caliber player. But like you said, Mike Gusecki, he is an established tight end, mostly plays out of the slot. So I do think they'd have, you know, Pitts playing uh, more just pure tight end position because that's literally Mike Gusecki. He is a slot right wide yeah, receiver yeah. who happens to be a little bit larger than most. He's like a he's like a lesser Jimmy Graham at his peak, right? I mean, yes. that's, that's basically what he is. But Detroit, I actually, I I think Detroit is a little bit more interesting. So. Whenever I'm uh, trying to find, you know, the next sleeper tight end, something that I think is just a really good, like, a cheat code for trying to find that potential receiving weapon is, like, how many vacated targets are there? Like, mm-hmm. are, they have to funnel them somewhere. And, I mean, Detroit, they are absent wide receivers. If Kyle Pitts is drafted to Detroit, I do think he's in a spot where they do need to utilize him as a receiver like from the get-go, Miami, they pieced enough things together last year that I don't think you need to force Pitts in quite as quickly into the receiving game. But Detroit, I mean, they're absent all weapons. So Detroit, I wouldn't be as as upset about Detroit as I would Miami. Kyle Pitts is going to be a great grab for any NFL team, but for the fantasy points, uh, I'm I'm still hoping that TJ Hawkinson is going to be alone on that island and he's going to be a PPR machine because there's nobody mm-hmm. else to catch the ball. So I, I I don't mind Detroit as much, but definitely with you on Miami. How about if you went to the Eagles? Uh, the Eagles are mm, at 12. They moved back. But say they wanted to move back up, uh, as as we saw Miami do. What, like, what do you make of uh, the Eagles? Would you be upset? Because they haven't moved on from uh, Zach Ertz yet. We haven't really seen them uh, even talk much about that. It still seems like a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be with the roster. But he he is. He's still there. They have Dallas Goddard. Don't have many other receiving weapons. They need to make a play for sure in terms of getting Jalen Hurts a weapon. Would you hate this or would, would you feel comfortable with him going into that system knowing that they, they do utilize the two tight end sets and we might see some production there? No, I wouldn't love it, Kate. I, I really wouldn't. In the three games that we saw Jalen Hurts start at the end of the year, uh, you know, against the Saints, Cardinals, and Cowboys, Goddard combined for 17 targets and 120 total yards. It's not great, and obviously Pitts is a better player, but it just doesn't seem like Hurts is all that interested in feeding the tight ends. And again, this is on a team that basically had no other passing options outside of Goddard and occasionally Jalen Rager. So... No, I, I I don't think this would be a, a fantastic fit. I think if he does end up in Philadelphia, even if they come up and trade for him, I think we would have to move down Pitts at least a little bit in our rookie ranks. Not a ton, just because he's still a special, special talent. I just don't think Philadelphia is the most optimal spot for him to go. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk about some running backs. 
Wanted to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, all you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, Locked On Dynasty fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels, increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenix Thermo, their most powerful fat killer ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back into the Locked on Dynasty Football Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Kate. I'm here with Marcus Mosier, and we are talking about our rookie drafts, which are right around the corner and which spots we are nervous for some of these pieces to land to. Marcus, you are in a rookie draft uh, because I have to assume that somebody in your league enjoys pain and suffering <laughs> Me. because you had it the week before the draft, but that's okay. Um, so now you have to sweat all of these guys mm. and where they're landing and and just hope you pick them in the right order based on where they could potentially land. Let's talk about Najee Harris. He's a, a well-rounded running back. He's a very tough runner. Is there anywhere that we could send Najee where he wouldn't necessarily be one of those dominant forces that that you know we we've seen him on tape having the potential to be at the NFL level? Yeah, so as we stand here on Monday, Kate, it seems pretty likely that he's going to end up in Pittsburgh or in a situation. Yeah, I know you're excited about that. Or in a situation where he is a lead running back, right? My fear is that he goes to somewhere where he's part of a backfield or a committee. And not only does that hurt his value, but it hurts the value of another one of our fantasy studs. And I've, I've got two teams here that are drafting at the end of round one. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just I've got this weird feeling that the Jaguars are going to want to add some more talent to their offense to help Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we talked about in a previous show maybe James Robinson's value falling during the draft. I could certainly see that being the case if you know Najee goes there. And then I've got the Saints at pick 28. You just never know with Sean Payton. Uh, He doesn't seem like he ever wants to fully commit to Alvin Kamara, giving him, you know, a huge workload throughout the course of a season. They've always invested in that other running back, whether it's Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, or even Adrian Peterson that one year. I could certainly see a situation, you know, in the post-Drew Brees era where Sean Payton just says, hey, we've got Najee Harris and Alvin Kamara. We're going to give these guys a combined 35, 40 touches a game, and that's the way we're going to win. And that just takes off both the ceiling for Najee and Alvin Kamara. I could see that. I would even say Buffalo, Kate. I think Buffalo is a spot where... I think on paper, it sounds like it's a fantastic fit. You know, a receiving running back, they can do it all. 
but we know how often the Bills like to use Josh Allen near the goal line. Uh, they still have Devin Singletary, who they like quite a bit. They've got Zach Moss, who will take a couple touches away. I'm just not sure if he ends up being a full-time workhorse back in Buffalo. So there's obviously a couple situations where I think he is going to absolutely crush it and be a top 10 running back sooner rather than later. But there are also a couple teams late here in the first round that do have me a little bit nervous. Yeah, that, that's definitely the the range that we can see him going in. And uh, I mean, we, we have heard some rumors that perhaps he's not the first running back off the board. Maybe it's ETN, but I do think that all of the teams that like might have you a little, ooh, uh, a little sweating, a little nervous, they do have picks in the right range to grab Najee. So yeah. I think... Uh, the New York Jets are a team that comes to mind. They have uh, the 23rd pick. They have the 34th pick. They're, that's sort of the range that I imagine Najee going in. Um, not not a fantastic offense overall. I think even if you have Zach Wilson there, they have so much rebuilding to do just on, on all fronts. Um, you know, Denzel Mims is not uh, changing your offense by any means. I think he's a really solid wide receiver still has a lot of room to grow. And I think that as they continue to rebuild, if it is around Zach Wilson, I mean, it, it's just going to, I think they're going to go through some growing pains. And I don't want to put Najee in a situation with growing pains. I want to put him in an, a situation where uh, they are instantly bound to score some points. Like I, I know Pittsburgh, the offensive line, not fantastic, but they have been in a position where they're, Offensive weapons can put them in a place to score. Um, if if Ben Roethlisberger does uh, come back a bit healthier this year, uh, maybe throws the ball more than five yards down the field, uh, they could be in scoring position more often, and that could be a good fit for Najee. But ugh. Yeah, um, I know. I feel the same way. It's just it's scary, and I think that's what's so concerning about Najee is that there's so many teams here at the bottom of the first round, top of the second. Where if he goes to them, I don't think you're going to see the you know maybe the ceiling that we initially thought of you know maybe a couple of weeks ago. How about uh, we just recently saw in Peter Schrager's mock draft most recent update, uh, he had the Washington Football Team taking Travis Etienne at mm. number 19, which was, a, I mean, it took all of us by storm, but. Something I do think we have to consider because I he had him falling out of the first round in his first mock draft, mm-hmm. um, and and he sort of took that feedback that he gets from his his NFL scouting buddies and and those around the league who are plugged in. It's a big uh, big leap to make him jump into Washington's spot at number nineteen without somebody saying to him, I you know. Washington's looking at this guy. Yeah. Um, yep. They they obviously there's there's some there's got to be some truth to that there. If uh, say Najee ended up going to Washington, I would hate that. I think Najee either is, running back, either running oh, back, going either there running be back for sure. Um, I do think that Najee would be a better fit for what they need. Um, you know, th- they already have Antonio Gibson, a converted wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Najee, I think, would complement him more. I think he's just a better. Uh, runner between the tackles but for Najee's perspective I do think he's a a capable receiving weapon and if you put him into Washington's system I I don't necessarily know that we'll get to see him hit his stride and see his full potential as a receiver 
Yeah, and I also think it's important to to mention that this coaching staff loves J.D. McKissick for whatever reason, right? He got 80 receptions last year. So even if they draft Najee or Etienne, I still think McKissick is going to have a role. And that just makes this backfield so muddied. It takes away Antonio Gibson's ceiling. It takes away Najee or Travis Etienne's ceiling. It's a, it would be a disaster from a fantasy and dynasty perspective. So please, Washington, do not do this. I, I just don't want them to to draft a running back in general. Etn, same thing goes. Uh, his uh, his abilities lie mostly in you know what he's able to do in space and, yes. and as a receiver. I don't want that to chip away at uh, Antonio Gibson's usage, and then we would I think continue to see involvement from JD McKissick. He has the potential to be a, a very productive. Uh, running back in PPR leagues, especially, mm-hmm. but any any form of those targets going elsewhere in the offense, uh, between the the signing of Curtis Samuel and and just Scary. Terry McLaurin, yep. it it could all be a bit of a disaster. Um, let's talk. Or oh my God, sorry. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll close out with some wide receivers, and one more running back that uh, has us sweating a little bit heading into the draft. Are you ready to try the best tasting protein bar ever? Look no further than Built Bar. Built Bars are soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate, and they are great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat with a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber option with Built Bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, and six delicious new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, my favorite, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. They've got a flavor for whatever you might be craving. Right now, Built Bar is offering our listeners 20% off of your next order using promo code Locked On. Go check out BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order. Start off this new year right, and let's go ahead and get fit together. And what better way to do so than indulging in a delicious and healthy treat? BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. Welcome back into the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. I am Kate. I'm here with Marcus. We're talking about uh, ideal landing spots and, and non-ideal landing spots for a lot of these rookies. As we head into NFL Draft Week, we talked about Najee. We talked about ETM. Let's talk about mm-hmm. one more running back before we move on to wide receivers. Javante Williams, where where are you sweating as we head into this week? Where do you not want to see him drafted? Yeah, Javante is really interesting because I think, Kate, I, I think you would agree. I, we both believe he's probably going to be the third running back drafted in this class. And he's likely to be a second-round pick, probably a top-50 pick. And when you start to go through you know, some of these teams that pick inside, let's say pick 33 to 50, most of these teams don't need running backs. And the fear is that he's going to end up in a part of a committee with a team that already has a highly established running back. And, I mean, we can, we can run through it. Jacksonville is at 33. Uh, we think that would be a bad spot. Uh, we talked about the Jets. Atlanta would be a good one, and we actually talked about that on a, you know, a previous show. Philadelphia at 37 would be rough with Miles Sanders. 
38 in the Bengals. I don't see that with Joe Mixon. Uh, Carolina with Christian McCaffrey. Denver with Melvin Gordon. Detroit at 41 uh, with DeAndre Swift. 42 is the Giants uh, with Saquon Barkley. The Cowboys at 44, no. Jacksonville again at 45. The Patriots at 46. The Chargers at 47. The Raiders at 48. The Cardinals at 49. And then the Dolphins again at 50. So, there's just not a lot of landing spots there where you think, hey, if Javante is drafted by this team, he is going to be the starting running back day one, and he's going to get 17, 18 touches a game. It, it, it's really, really scary. You're really hoping that he ends up in Atlanta, uh, maybe the Jets, you know, just because of volume. But outside of that, it's not great, Kate. No, not loving that outlook. How about some wide receivers? Uh I think we can make a blanket statement here. Any wide receiver drafted to Baltimore is hmm, probably yeah. a no-go for most of our most of our uh, well, dream teams here. Can I, can um, I ask you a quick question? Is there any receiver yeah. that would go to Baltimore that you would actually like? Uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, that's the first one that came to my mind as well. He. So I think the special thing about Kadarius Tony is that he's not uh, he's not a refined he's not a refined route runner. Um, still has, uh, you know, a lot of learning to do at the wide receiver position. But he's a guy that I think uh, when you get the ball into his hands and you can do that in, in many different ways with a, a skill set like Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. And he has the, the mindset where he is able to read a field, um, I think, you know, largely in, in part to his his overall skill set as a quarterback he can read a a field really well and make plays after the catch Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the kind of weapon that you want Lamar Jackson have he's not a particularly accurate quarterback so putting him in a position where maybe he doesn't necessarily need to be the accurate target downfield and and you know just getting him into situations where you're getting the ball into his hands and seeing what he can do after the catch I think that would be the the best thing for Lamar Jackson, especially um, because he doesn't he doesn't need to rely on that accuracy to get him the ball. I like, and I also say I think Rondell Moore makes a lot of sense for a lot of the same reasons, right? Kate, because you can run jet sweeps, you can do screens, you can do little slant passes, and he can take you know those passes to the house. So I, I do agree with you there, but yeah, I think. The fear is that, you know, if a Rashad Bateman ends up in Baltimore or even a Terrace Marshall or an Elijah Moore, it's just going to limit their ceiling. And actually, I might disagree a little bit on the accuracy, but we don't have to get into that right now. I, 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 the reason why the ceiling is lower for me is just sheer volume, right? The Ravens just don't pass a lot because they're so good at running. Lamar is just such a dynamic rusher, and when they do throw, it's either down the field to Hollywood or across the middle of the field to Mark Andrews. If Elijah Moore goes there versus, let's say, Green Bay at 29, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some situations where we're going to have to drop guys, I think, at least a tier, maybe even two tiers, depending you know, on their landing spot. So I think for the most part, Baltimore is a no-go just because of volume. In Baltimore, we, we saw they traded uh, their offensive linemen over to Kansas City. Now they have two picks in the mm-hmm. first round. Um, so they made their their uh, desire for a wide receiver pretty clear. They've said they, they have the guys that they like. So I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they left the first round with two wide receivers, wouldn't honestly. With, yep. it, yeah, just with the way that they've, they've uh, created this hub, 
it's definitely been apparent that he he terribly needs uh, some receiving help. So mm-hmm. definitely would be interesting if we saw two of our top guys in that first round go to Baltimore. It would be uh, yikes city, but could raise the floor for uh, Lamar Jackson as a yes. passer, which yes. is always a good thing. Um, give me give me one more guy in a frightful frightful landing spot before we head out. Yeah, it's Jalen Waddle, and I think this one's really interesting because we're starting to see more buzz that Waddle is going to be the second receiver drafted in this class, potentially inside the top ten. Uh, it sounds like Miami has some interest, you know, at six. I think that's a neutral landing spot. Detroit makes me very, very nervous. Kate, we mentioned that there's a ton of targets available, which is great, and that I think that helps you know Waddle quite a bit. It's just I don't love the pairing of him with Jared Goff. We know Goff isn't the most accurate quarterback throwing down the field. He's not the most aggressive quarterback. So going to Detroit would be rough. Going to Philadelphia would be rough rough because I just don't trust Jalen Hurts down the field. We've heard some rumors that maybe Arizona is looking to, to come get Waddle. I think that's a little bit of a neutral landing spot just because he's probably not going to see the volume uh, that he would in, you know, Miami, Detroit, Philadelphia. Uh, but, you know, would he be able to make up for it with efficiency down the field? Uh, that's a, a potential option as well. So I think Waddle is very interesting because there's a lot of teams that could use his speed. But my my fear is that he's going to be Henry Ruggs a little bit and just Ooh. never going to be uh, the guy that's the next you know, Tyree Kill or even Will Fuller just because he's not going to land with a quarterback that fits his skill set. Yeah, I, I think Jared Goff could be a really disastrous pairing, uh, ranked 25th in deep receiving yards. We all know that the the deep play is uh, Jalen Waddle's specialty. What is he average? Mm-hmm. Like 40-something 40 40 something yards per touchdown. Uh, in the 2020 yeah. season, uh, Jared Goff on, on passes of 20-plus yards, just three touchdowns, two interceptions, not not pretty. Um, one of a, a short but not fantastic list of quarterbacks who uh, had just fewer than 10 yards per pass attempt on those mm. targets of 20 yards or more. That's not fantastic. Um, I, I just think he's got he's got better places where he could uh, end up at some point. I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would agree. I think actually, the further he falls into the draft, the better it's going to be for him, right? Like if he can fall into a situation to like the Chargers at thirteen, like that's the most ideal situation out there, right? He doesn't have to be the number one receiver. Now he's paired with a a quarterback that loves to throw the ball down the field. So for Waddle's sake, if you if you've already drafted him or you own him in a Debbie league, you're really hoping he falls outside the top ten. And just. For, for some context <laughs> here, for those who had fewer than 10 yards per pass attempt on throws of 20 plus yards, uh, here's the list of, of quarterbacks with fewer than 10 yards per pass attempt on those throws. Jared Goff, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Drew Locke, Ben Roethlisberger, Tua Tagovailoa, and Brandon Allen in the 2020 season. None of those were uh, fantastic performers. I, I think... I think it's a no-go for, for Waddle there. Um, anybody else you want to talk about before we head out? Yeah, just Justin Fields. Uh, we we know the teams we want him to go to. The 49ers and the Broncos are the obvious one. Even the Patriots make a lot of sense. 
Uh, my fear, again, we're talking about the same teams, but please don't go to Detroit. Like that team is so far away from being competitive. I don't necessarily trust the, the coaching staff there either. Uh, don't don't end up there. If he ends up with the 49ers, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about him potentially being, you know, the, the number one pick in Superflex League. So there's quite a wide range of outcomes here for Justin Fields. This has been the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, we'll have Matt Williamson, Ryan McDowell here to talk you through leading up to the draft. And then we're going to take a break. We usually post our episodes on Thursday, but we are going to re- record Friday morning so we can get some reaction to the first round and those draft picks that are, are going to be impacting our fantasy teams. That'll be a really fun show. We look forward to talking to you then, and we will see you on Thursday.